healthy marriage between word and music can be one of the best ways we can, as men and women seeking to glorify God, reflect his creativity and his relationship with his bride, the church. Welcome to the Calling and Covenant podcast. I'm Donovan Martin, inviting you to join me as we seek to learn more of Christ every day. Congregational worship is how we converse with God through song and prayer in the gathering of the saints. A right approach to worship is essential if we would draw nearer to God. To start, we need a biblical view of authority. A leader by proxy must have authority over those he leads. This is why, in many examples, people leading without any authority can't control those they are trying to teach or govern. Because there is no retribution for disobedience, people do not respect that authority. The authority must needs have disciplinary powers in order to lead effectively or at all. This power is not to be taken lightly, which is why there are specific guidelines for church leadership. This is why the family is the testing grounds for elders and deacons, as it says in 1 Timothy 3. How he raises his family in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is his resume. If he fails to lead his children, how will he lead the church? Now that we have established a biblical philosophy of authority and leadership, now we can look at what, at how that applies in the worship ministry. When one leads singing and worship, he is exercising authority over every person in the congregation. He must expect them to participate in singing, otherwise it is simply a performance up on stage, which ruins the point uh, of congregational worship. He must know the state of the congregation, what sufferings are going on, what joyous occurrences happen, and use the songs to minister to them. He must also support the sermon, both leading up to and responding. We need to look at the assembly as a conversation between man and God. We come to the service seeking to glorify him through song, hear him through his word preached, and respond in song accordingly. Now, the song's purposes must be to worship God for what he has done, to edify and comfort, and to teach proper doctrine. The gospel is essential for all of life, not just to save the unbeliever. In the Old Testament, God constantly reminds the Hebrews to remember what he has done for them so they don't forsake him. We ought to do the same, as Christ's victory on the cross was so magnificent and all-encompassing that we should never forget it, and songs are a perfect way to continually remind us ourselves of this glorious fact. This is why Moses sang right after God had delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea. The perfect balance of male leadership and female support and beauty is seen in the structure of biblically sound songs. We know that God, in his infinite wisdom, has bestowed upon men the role and capacity of protecting, providing for, and discipling those under his care, whereas women are endowed with gifts to support and help their husbands and beautify their domain. The words of biblical songs protect those who listen and sing by discipling them with good doctrine, bringing them closer in relationship with God, and they provide that which is good and noble to have their thoughts on. Different songs have different themes as well. Some comfort the afflicted, some share the gospel in various ways and aspects, and some teach a proper response to various events in our lives. There are also different categories of songs with which to worship. Colossians 3.16 talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms are scripture set to music, especially the psalms. The psalms teach much about a biblical response to enemies. We have so many enemies, but we don't tend to sing about them. 
we need to incorporate singing the Psalms again for a proper understanding of how we must trust in and praise God in troubling times because He will deliver us. Hymns are songs that don't necessarily directly quote scripture. They often are metrical poems that center on deep theological truths. Spiritual songs focus on spiritual themes, hence the name. They bring us to extol God for His uh, greatness, build up our joy in Him, and many other things. The melody and accompaniment supports and helps the lyrics by giving it a base with which to anchor those words in people's minds. Music is well known to be a fantastic medium in which to memorize. This is why during the Reformation, there is a real emphasis on congregational worship. True theology was brought to the masses in a major way through song. And music beautifies the words, allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. In a sense, this makes an argument for a new melody for each new song, as a well-written melody complements the words it was written for and works in conjunction with them to make the point known. Often, when one uses a previously written melody that fits the meter of the poem, the expression of the music does not fit the words and can become a distraction. A healthy marriage between word and music can be one of the best ways we can, as men and women seeking to glorify God, reflect His creativity and His relationship with His bride, the Church. But when we focus on songs which lack any deep meaning, we actually say that we don't need a love for theology. Our love for God ought to drive us to a deeper knowledge of Him. If we don't have proper doxology, our theology will be cold and heartless. If we don't have proper theology, our doxology will be misguided and improper. A proper marriage of both will yield much fruit.